everyone to another glorious episode of uh oh my brain just totally <laughs> podcast of the fallen <laughs> podcast of the fallen i am your uh forgetful host matt here with nate who is here to save the day i like literally as i was about to speak it just my mind went blank i was like what do we call ourselves again <laughs> i mean we've only been doing this for three months uh that's so embarrassing all right oh, that's all totally fine uh, covering chapters 13 and 14 of Dead House Gates yep. today. Wrapping up book three. Yep. So, yeah. Podcast of the Fallen. That's who we are, guys. If you yep. didn't catch that, it's going to be great. I can already just tell. <laughs> it's not even that late. <laughs> no, it's not. But that's fine. It's fine. It's this fine. is going to be good. Um, I think that I'm just going to edit and release both this episode and the next one on the same day. Editor Nathan here. Obviously, these did not come out in the same day because uh, I have been sick like a dog for about a week straight, and it was all I could do to uh, get this episode out on time, relatively. It's still going to come out a couple of days late, uh, but the episode with Derek should follow within a couple of days. Thank you. So, uh, after we finish up this episode... You can go and listen. We're going to have Derek of D&J's Epic Quest on just to have a conversation about Malazan. They're another podcast and they're doing a chapter a week and they've been going for a little over a year now. So they're madmen. That's exciting. I don't either, but we are only doing we're not doing much more a week than they are. That's true. I mean, what was the last time I recorded? Actually, was it last? We didn't record last weekend, did we? No, it was last Tuesday. So it's been a week and like two days. Yeah. And we're on chat and we only read two chapters. Yep. So I guess. Yeah. But I listened because uh, I haven't really had the time to listen to too many things, but I, I had some time. So I was cleaning up my room. I listened to one of their episodes. The amount of detail they go into. I was like, oh, yes, because he start because he just started reading like his own excerpt or like a summary of just like one section. And I was like, that is, you're going to take like three hours going through this. And then it hit me again. I was like, oh, I forget. They're doing one chapter, one chapter uh, at, at a time. So I was like, no wonder they're taking all this time. But it was, yeah, I it kind of blew me away because I was like, that is, that is just so, it feels so slow to me. But yeah, it's pretty cool that they're doing it. Yep. So that's exciting. And then, um, but with all of that, I think we are, good to start unless you have anything else no no i think we're good we can jump into it yeah these two chapters are shorter question mark maybe at least they chapter... don't have as they don't have as many sections but a lot happens chapter 14 was a bit shorter all right chapter 13 duerker confronts nobles about a stolen lapdog and then stops a noble from whipping his servant shaking the man and causing him to faint he and List walk through the healer station, and Duerker reflects on the lessons it's taught him. He attends a meeting in Coltane's tent where they discuss the demon that damaged the Sempt Godling. Coltane orders that they pay the nobles' compensation demand for the servants. Later, Duerker wanders the camp before battle, thinking about how the standard soldier preparations have never worked for him. He comes across the Wiccans donning heavy cavalry armor and learns from Captains Solmar and Chened that the sappers have left camp. Coltane's armies march across an old lake bed towards the enemy, which is centered on top of and to either side of a large earthen ramp that Camast Relo's forces have constructed. The marines march up the ramp, leaving the Weasel clan to guard the refugees and the infantry to guard the wounded. Nil and Nether use the life force of a horse to give to gift the Wiccan horses with enough strength to surge up the ramp in the marines' wake, aided by the sappers, who appear from holes in the ground to throw munitions and devastate the front lines. Coltane wins another battle. Kalam recognizes a sigil in the Imperial Warren, and then, just because, manages to lead them out of the Warren into Eren. He meets a ship captain at the inn he goes to that just so happens to have passage arranged for him by a man named Salkalan. He tells Manala that he's leaving, and is answered with a melon to the face. Lostara Yil is arrested as she makes her way to report to the local Redblade commander. Manala prepares to chase after Kalam. That was such a fun battle. It's a really fun I... battle. I mean, I I think Dewaker just like gets better and better for me as this goes on. I like him a lot. There's some people that don't connect with him their first time through. I I don't know. I 
I, I've never been through any wars or anything <laughs> or been to, like through as terrible experiences, but like, I, I think it's really cool. I think it's a lot of fun to, um, maybe fun's not the right word. Interesting. That makes Yeah. Interesting. Cause I was going to say fun probably doesn't, <laughs> I probably shouldn't the be chain of dogs with... isn't anything but fun. No, no. Uh, but yeah, I think do worker just to, like being in his head, like as he's a like veteran, like, you know, soldier, he's been through the old empire of the Malaz and like under the last emperor, been connected with high power figures. And then now as a historian, so seeing through all this perspective and all that experience, I think is just so interesting and just brings a kind of a unique view of this battle. Yeah. And like how he views the camp and how he views the nobles and just how everything works. Yeah. Well, the, the nobles suck. Oh, I as the more we read about them like that it's uh um it reminds me of some of the characters um i've been watching attack on titan lately with another friend um so if any of you somehow read this and then watch that as well or read that (laughs) there's a few characters in that that i can't stand and these nobles are up there with them like i've like lately i've never read characters that i've despised so much but malazan and as well attack on titan have really they've really hit the nail on the head with some characters that i'm just like you are the worst yeah pretty much yeah i just opened the book or opened to chapter 13 to like scan for stuff that i wanted to point out yeah and duerker's joke when they're chasing after the dog oh yeah, yeah. the dog the dog got a rare henji's roach dog in its mouth rare i assumed it was raw <laughs> I knew there was a joke in there somewhere. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that was so funny. He just lets them know from the beginning that he's not taking it. He's not taking them seriously. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, and he shouldn't. No, definitely. And then when he sees the one dude beating up his servant like that, I was like, you like, you are the people that couldn't function without them. And now you get him back. And now you're going to beat him up because you lost your little lap dog. Like, that's so messed up. Yeah. And he goes to confront the soldier or not the soldier he goes to confront the noble and the noble's about to like whip list and duoker's like uh 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 that's execution yeah like he he gets him there and i love how he shakes him to the point that he faints like really yes he shows his low he shows like that he he used to be that guy and used to be in the army because they're like historian he's like i am an ex-soldier and historian he's like i don't care about you and your nobility well he just shakes the guy and then list is like uh so you'll find his name among the legendary first army under decimal tour <laughs> and director's like why did you have to say that he's like just because to give him give him even more of a reason to be afraid yep i mean the i i won't lie to you though when i read about the the little dog getting basically eaten by the bigger dog. I felt kind of bad just because we have a little dog. And so I was like, oh, that would actually be kind of heartbreaking. To just have some big mean dog like that eat your dog. Yes. But then so like I feel bad more for the dog than I do the noble person, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Because uh, that's what I can relate to in this story. I may not be on a refugee trail. But I can relate to having a little dog. You can relate to feeling bad for a dog. Yeah. Uh, and then Duerker and List walk through the like the healer's station, and Duerker says that even even if they didn't have to drop off like the servant that the noble was whipping, he would have walked through there just to remind himself what goes on yeah. there. And I'm happy they brought the servant there and like kind of took took care of him. I think that really shows like a like the the kind of person Duwicker is and uh list they're just like they kind of scare the nobles and then like take the servant back because they're like you don't you don't deserve having someone help you out right now if it yep. this is how you're going to be so i think that's a true true sign of true nobility true like nobility these other hooligans these pretenders yeah uh i love Duwicker's quote because list says oh, i've learned this lesson and like this place actually encourages you strengthens corporal though in a cold way i admit never mind the games of ascendance this is what we are the endless struggle laid bare 
Gone is the idyllic, the deceit of self-import as well as the false humility of insignificance. Even as we battle wholly personal battles, we are unified. This is the place of level earth. That is its lesson. And I wonder if it is an accident that that deluded mob and gold threads must walk in the wake of these wagons. Pretty powerful line. Uh, you've also got the line of sometimes you just have to grin and spit in Hood's face. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. I'm trying. I wish I did better this time. Because there's so many lines as like I sat down. I was like, ah, I know there's a couple in there that I forgot. I'm going to highlight yeah. in this time. I'm going to make a resolution from now on. I'm like, maybe I'll write it on paper so I can keep it separate from the summaries in my phone. But I want to start taking notes of things that I want to point out just so we don't have oh. to scroll through. Well, I, I, I filled up the sticky note I had in the back of this and then I forgot to replace it. Maybe I'll just get a Malazan podcast notebook there you and go. write notes in it. Just say, quote about this, page 400. That's what I've, that's what I did a couple episodes ago, actually. Yeah, total side note. I remember learning about a, when I was trying to find like just some other kind of nonfiction books to read. Um, I remember reading a whole note taking system. That was kind of cool. I've used it like loosely once or twice. It actually helped some retention. That's impressed nice so maybe i'll have to try something like that for this one also they walk into coltane's tent and that female marine that he like the duiker was with on the night of the battle like yep. makes eyes at him and list is like oh Something okay duiker doesn't duiker say though here like ah i'm old or something along those lines yeah but i mean she's she i think she's middle-aged too yeah, no, I know, but like I think he mentions like uh to be like at an older age or something. Oh or, yeah. Like, that that look of hers of... was pity more than anything else. <laughs> yep. I mean, during the battle, she does straight up tell him, You survive. <laughs> We're doing it tonight. I know. During the council, Nil or Sormo Enath mentions that Nil came face to face with the kid with the one eye. Oh, yeah. And like the spirit realm place. Yeah, there was a because they kept talking about the different gods and like the spirits roaming around and how the I just found it here. Um, the simp godling got damaged because mm -hmm. there's a demon that walked the land. Yes, which is apt, which we saw uh, mm -hmm. last chapter with Lostara and Pearl. Yeah. I think that's uh, interesting, though, that they're like, so there's an Imperial demon. They're like, we don't know what he was or who they were with because there's the claw. So then like and none of them know about this, which I find is none of them knew, which is to me a little like, I don't know if we'll get to see this. I have a feeling we won't, but I think it would have been cool to see kind of like the path that led apt to this encounter and like Pearl and the Red Blade a little more. Because I felt like Pearl just kind of like popped out of nowhere, like, hey, we're joining this battle. But then it there was no like lead up or build up to say like this is why. So I think it would be nice to know just a little bit like why did this happen? Like how they get there. Because I mean, these guys being confused makes total sense. But me being confused, I don't know if I like that as much. <laughs> you picked the wrong series. I don't know. Uh, we can also add to some of your confusion about Warren's. Because Sormo says the Tano spirit walkers of this land are said to be able to quest through a hidden world. Not a true Warren, but a realm where souls are freed from blood, from flesh and bone. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember this because I, I did think that I was like, so you're telling me there's Warrens and then there's non-Warrens and then there's the real world. Like what? Well, it, is there maybe, no maybe just a hint that Warrens are not the only form of magic that's out there. Yeah, because I mean, it does talk about it like the um, raced, like a sp like the world, like the god of the world was young, he's older. And then there's different forms. We see the what's it called? The house of it's not house of dragons, the deck, deck of dragons. Oh, yeah, the deck of dragons, deck and dragons. But we see like the, the primitive version of it. Oh, yeah, the holds. Yeah, the holds. So, I mean, like it, it's given us stuff. To say, hey, there is older forms of magic. But at the same time, for me, there's like no logic so far of how this all works. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just sitting here like, 
Wait a second. So yeah, there's another world. There, it's not a Warren though, but they're accessing magic, getting magic through. But then there's other spirits. I'm like, where? Yep, the Wiccan warlocks like, are using older Earth and nature like, spirits and stuff like that. Or is just like the master theologian that's like, all right, let me break this down for you. Like, this is like how certain things work. I don't even know if it's religion for that. Maybe I'm asking the wrong guy, but like the master Warren knowledge researcher or whatever. Yeah, whatever the whatever the term would be for like scientist who's the yeah. one that studies magic. Is that just a mage at that point? Mages, yeah, mages are one that ones that use magic. I feel so, like there's a term in fantasy out there for someone that studies magic. It's not an alchemist, is it? No, because I think alchemy is more like magical That's science. The yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, see. No, I, is it? It's not warlock or it's not sorcerer. Alchemist but... is a good fit as alchemy blends science and magic. Um, okay. Let's see. Yeah, alchemy. I mean, I oh, think. A, a thaumaturgist. <laughs> oh what thaumaturgist t-h-a-u-m-a-t-u-r-g-i-s-t i've never heard of that in my entire life that actually that... i think i've read that somewhere before i can't remember for the life of me what series it was but i feel like it was like a group of like priests or something who's didn't actually have a religion but studied magic that yeah i've never heard of that that's an interesting because i mean it like I could see where it's like it's like the difference between like a practicing like doctor and like a PhD in medicine who likes research stuff. That's yeah, where I feel maybe. like maybe you could like a comparison between a mage and then like a researcher. I wonder if that that makes sense. But yeah, I need that guy. Where's the guy <laughs> that knows that stuff that researches? And like, I don't need no master class, like PhD thesis on Warren's. I just want like, I showed up to first grade. I know some basics and I just need a little more of it. Well, Rafo, there is definitely stuff like that coming. So. Oh, I hope so. Hold on to your horses. I will hold them. I will hold my horses. You know, I'll even stable them for the night. Oh, there you go. Put them in the stable until you need them and then bring them back out. Yeah, I'll do that. One of these days, if I if I do read a section about Warren's, I may just send you a text and be like, it's 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 here. The explanation came. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can just say on the podcast when that happens, the horses have been unstabled. They have been unstabled. We know. Uh, but yeah. after that long tangent, which I feel like we kind of get onto a tangent like that anytime new magic stuff comes up. <laughs> Because I am, I'm oh, used it's, to. It's not a bad thing. No, I know. I'm, but like, that's why I think it's so fun about this at the same time compared to some other systems. Like you got the Sanderson, Harry Potter, where they're a little more like structured. Mm -hmm. Like Harry Potter isn't terribly structured, but like there's enough where you can be like, have some fun theories or like dive in. Sanderson's like a science. So you can get a PhD in his Cosmere if you want, basically. That's all that works. But this one is just like, you guess, figure it out, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, going back to the meeting with Coltane, I also love that Coltane's like, so we need to stop them from beating up the servants. How much did they demand like paint, like coin for their servants? And Lola's like, yeah, OK, so pay them. Oh, yeah. Like gold doesn't really matter right now. So why not just give it to them? It'll burden them as well. Slow them down. I was like, that's genius. That's there you like go. The... Coltane is a smart cookie. I know. Give the rich man all the money he wants and he'll die with it. Because that's his uh, religion, I guess. Well, there's some saying somewhere, I think. I Something like that, yeah. I can't believe I did not put this in my summary. But after that meeting, there's an awesome scene where Coltane and Duiker have just like a brief conversation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they sat at the fireside. Yep. About how they're both denied in their needs. Duarte thinks about how he really doesn't know Coltane, and Coltane doesn't act like a charismatic commander, and yet all everyone in the army belongs to Coltane. Yeah, I thought it was uh, funny the kind of start of it though. Uh, like he, he makes a joke and he's like, 
Historian, you joke like a Wiccan. I made a study of Bolt's lack of humor. That much is patently clear. Yep. I was like, oh, yes. Wiccan humor. So dry and sarcastic. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then after his conversation with Coltane, uh, Duerker just kind of walks through the camp, thinks about how he's never been able to do that mindless check and check and recheck the gear until the battle mm-hmm. starts. Where he just he just checks it and just stands there. Yeah, he walks by some Wiccans that are like, we're turning ourselves into heavy cavalry. He's like, do you even know what how to use that? They're like, yeah, we do. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Who cares? We're desperate. Yeah. Because he's like, why didn't you use this armor at the crossing? Didn't need to. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, wait a second. Uh, I really love this quote. As he leaves the Wiccans, um, some warriors ready themselves to live, some ready themselves to die. And in these hours before the fate unfolds, it's damned hard to tell one from the other. It's true. And so I did have this question, though. Okay. Because I was I remember reading because they're prepping and the foolish dog clan. Yes. Are they like Coltane's main people? No. Or are they just like a subsection of this? So. The Foolish Dog Clan are Wiccans. They're mm-hmm. a clan of the Wiccans. Coltane belongs to the Crow Clan. Oh, yeah, because he has the cape. And uh, then they've got the Foolish Dog and I think the Weasel Clan. And I think those are the only three Wiccan clans that they've got. Yeah, because the, the Foolish Dog, they had him protecting the, the refugees by the cliff. But apparently they were kind of like... I think it was the Weasel Clan. Not that it well, makes much difference, but... Well, I... Oh, I maybe i'm getting mixed up then but uh no it's because they had like they sharpen their teeth or something like rumor had it or something like that i'm like this sounds a little barbaric if you ask me compared to like coltane and like kind of his group of people like one of the clans is like very kind of a yep it was the word it was the weasel clan that's guarding the refugees so yeah and they did all file their teeth into points yeah so what's the word like a ferocious Oh yeah, group of people mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the Wiccans, which I think is rather interesting. Yeah, they they make a or I think it's Lull that makes a remark that the Weasel Clan have gotten ferocious since the Sealk crossing, mm, since yeah. that last battle at the river, because I think they took some losses there or something like that. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. So okay, that that makes a lot more sense then, because the the idea why the Wiccans joined the Mwazan empires because a uh, shadow throne as an emperor beforehand yeah. united them. Yep. Kellen Ved, when he was the emperor united them. Well, he didn't really try to unite them. I think they united together to fight against the empire because the empire mm-hmm. was such a great threat. And then he kind of still won. Yeah. That, yeah. That, and I mean, we talked about that or it was mentioned a while ago, but now it makes a little yep. more sense. Yeah. Duiker, um walks up to some of the soldiers or list and lol. Uh, lol says, didn't get any. He says to Duiker, didn't get any sleep, did you? If the old codger starts nodding off, you've my permission to give him a clout on that bashed up helmet of his corporal. And list says, if I could stay awake myself, sir, this good cheer is wearing me out. The lad's showing spark these days. Isn't he just? I love the, the banter they always have beforehand. Oh. Soldier humor is the best. It's so good. But I mean, you kind of have to have it if you're writing into a, maybe in your last moments on Earth, I guess, or your planet. Oh, yeah. Do we... I Maybe we've talked about this for me. It was mentioned. Is there a name for this planet? No, there's not. So some people jokingly call it Woo. W-U. Just Woo? because. Yeah. But there's no official name for it. That's kind of surprising. I feel like, because uh, I feel like usually, yeah, most of the stuff I've read, they, they, it names like the planet or like it gives reference to. But yeah, sometimes. Hmm. I mean, uh, for how flushed out a lot of this lore is, I feel like he would have given a name to it. Nope, there's no official name for it. So just the Malazan world. Interesting. Yeah, it was a total side note, but the thought crossed my mind. I was like, wait a second. 
we know about all these lands, but what is, what do they call it all? Because if they came from like another place and you have beings that are older than the god of the world or the goddess, I guess. Yeah, the, the earth goddess, yeah. Yeah, then like, what is it called then? Like, what's the other place, you know? Like, what's the expanded universe, I guess? Or solar system? or it's the Malazan, the Malazan world, the Malazan yeah. universe. It's just, it's a flat planet. It's just all centered around them. No, it that's Discworld. That's Discworld. Ah, that's, that's true. That's Discworld. You're right. Discworld's pretty good, though. I'm trying to think. Because uh, they, they start the battle, right? And they, they get to, and it's the ravine. Like, it goes through some water, and then it's like a slope that yeah, had so, been constructed. Yeah, so we can just, we can dive into a battle, into the yeah. battle. Um, I should have sent you, there's another video by that same YouTube channel, Graceless Passion, on this battle. Yeah, I, uh, I'd i seen some thumbnails of his, but I forgot to look into it. Uh, but there is, basically, the Malazans are on the east side of this valley. The, like, Apocalypse armies are on the west side. And yeah, so the Malazans cross a short ravine with, like, a stream running through it. And then on the far side of the valley, there used to be, like, a trail up to the ridge. And Camus Relo's engineers have built this ramp for his forces to be on top. And there's some forces down in the valley on either side of the ramp as well. And so the Malazans to engage are going to have to go up the ramp. And then they want to surround them is the plan from the enemy's side. Yeah. So it's not looking too bright. I remember reading this. I was like, what? This doesn't sound like they're going to make it out of this too well. Yeah. They just start marching up the ramp. I was like, why... Like, warfare is weird to me in these medieval cases. Granted, I've never yep. studied it, so I don't know too many of the tactics or thoughts behind it, but... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like a good plan, but turns out Coltane has more stuff up his sleeve. As always. Yep. No, I I mean, I, I do remember, I was like, this looks dismal. Like, there, there's not much hope here. But I'm like, but they do have Coltane. For some reason, he always has some weird trick up his sleeve. I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. I mean, it works out. So they start marching. Uh, they're getting fired on. And then they do They do eventually, as they march up the ramp, make contact with the enemy, right? Like mm -hmm. they start engaging the front lines. And then I should look at my book, but I don't want to right now. But then Duerker in the back gets sent up as like reserves to help them at the front line. And he ends up getting into some action, stabbing a woman in the face. And then they're told to retreat <laughs> mm -hmm. and like split and the cavalry starts charging up the ramp and it doesn't look great for them either. But da, 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 sappers sappers and sacrificing the life force of one horse to give hundreds more of the strength to charge up the ramp at full speed and just decimate them up top. Yeah, that was pretty cool. When I read about the horse, I was like, no wonder. Because Duoker made that observation. He's like, how are these horses doing so well? And then it was the magic horse. Which Wait is a... pretty impressive. Yeah, Life force I... has a lot of power. Yeah, I had the same thought. Because I was like, one horse gave him that much energy? I mean, oh, yeah. granted, it wasn't like a ton of time, I don't think. But still, that's a lot. Like, that was a lot of horses. Life is powerful, everyone. Take that how, how you want. <laughs> what did you think of the... Uh... Sapper turtles. Sapper cracked me up. I was like, that is like one of the coolest ideas so far. They're just like, yeah, no, we came buried ourselves out here last night. Don't worry about we it. We stayed here all night so we could throw some munitions and break the front line. I was like, that's impressive. That's way cool. I'm like, that is true ingenuity right there. Yeah, well, I look, Duerker's making his way to the side of the ramp and this head just pops up and is like, hey, you know what turtles do in the winter? <laughs> that's what we did. I know. That's that's uh that's just what made me love the sappers even more. I was like, that sense of humor. Just like sappers are great. Look at the situation we're in. But you know what? Let's keep it lighthearted. Because why not? We're sappers. We're gonna blow them all up. Okay. I knew there was a curse using Hood's name that I needed to point out in this section. Hood's wet dream. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was like, what? 
What is Th- that's not even my all-time favorite Malazan curse. You'll you'll probably know it when we come across it. I can't remember what book it's in, but oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I remember reading that. Now that you mention it, I was like, "What a strange curse to use." I mean, I mean it's it, accurate though. It makes sense. They're in the middle yeah. of a pitch battle. Yeah, being in a battle, the god of death is like, "Heck yeah, this is my time <laughs> to shine." Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, doesn't he get bored though? Because like death is inevitable. So being the god of death, it's kind of like a guarantee. I mean, yeah, but you'll always have worship or mm-hmm. souls to gather stuff to do. But like, I feel like that would kind of get monotonous, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe it would. Like, you'd really have to love that. I feel like I'm trying to think of like a accurate comparison. Because I mean, because I think of Hades from Hercules that Disney one where he's like, I don't take over Olympus. I'm bored in the underworld <laughs> type of thing. Hey, maybe, it... maybe hood is bored. We haven't met hood. This is true. We haven't met him. I don't know the guy I'm making assumptions off of these curses. Cause I feel like I would get bored. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I mean, you're also not an immortal God. That's true. But I wonder like if I had to be the God of something though, I feel like the God of death like, that's just a lot of pressure as well. Like, you are one of the big ones. No matter what setting it is, like, you are one of the big ones. True. Hands down. Like, I think I would want to be a different god. Something else. The god of... God of pharmacy. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. yeah I don't want to be a god. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, we work in a pharmacy, so... That's why I jest such manners. Uh, I don't know. Anything else about the battle that you want to bring up? Uh, we do learn a little about it later. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But it was... They did a good job. It got a little fuzzy for me at the end. Like some of the details. But from what I could gather, they did a good job of like winning, more or less. Was it Duerker that has a quote about um, the name, the names of the dead versus the names of the living. That's a good question. Because we don't get Duric oh. in the next chapter. It's uh page four eighty eight, I think. Oh, it's all the way back there. It's uh, cause yeah, it was right before the battle when he was looking at. Cause it says like, of the details that remind me, that remind one of humanity. Names to faces are like twin serpents threatening the most painful bite of all. I'll never yeah. return to the list of the fallen because I now I see now that the unnamed soldier is a gift. The named soldier, dead, melted wax, demands a response among the living, a response no one can make. Names are no comfort. They're a call to answer the unanswerable. Why did she die, not him? Why do the survivors remain anonymous as if cursed while the dead are revered? Why do we cling to what we lose when we ignore what we still hold? Name none of the fallen, for they stood in our place and stand there still in each moment of our lives. Let my death hold no glory and let me die forgotten and alone. Let it not be said that I was one among the dead to accuse the living. Baller quote. Name none of the fallen. List of the fallen. Malazan Book of the Fallen. There might be a theme here. That crossed my mind. Malaz in the Book of the Fallen. Is this just a story of the collapse of the Empire? Could I be wrong? You could be. You could not be. I mean, it could be like uh, you just picked a title for for kicks and giggles. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes people do that. Yeah, that is. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I I I did remember reading that, and I I liked that little that last bit where it says, "Why do we cling to what we lose while we ignore what we still hold?" And that's like, like just in like normal terms like that's such good like such a good perspective you know take the time to mourn for what's lost you know but at the same time like find a way to move forward like, hold on to what still you still have there. yeah i think it's also talking about like especially in a situation like this like rejoice in the people that still live and like, don't on- ignore them honor the dead but don't ignore the living because you're honoring the dead it also kind of speaks to i think like all the time we talk about World War II vets and stuff like that. And it's like, well, maybe we should also talk about the trauma that being in war and surviving it has on the people that do survive. Yeah. No, it's not not a pretty thing. I mean, I'm trying, I don't know anyone personally 
that like had that like went through like a traumatic war experience and like suffered from PTSD. But I know people who know people like I remember from school and just hearing some of the stories like one guy said he had a neighbor every 4th of July like he kind of just had to go to his basement throw on some headphones and try to drown out the sound from the outside because it's so uh-huh. like just that sound is like so triggering and so yeah I think that's a, a valid point like they went and, through a lot and for people that are not American listening that may not know on the 4th of July Americans love to blow crap up especially fireworks and so that would remind a veteran of gunfire and cannon not cannons but like artillery and stuff like that it's loud and cool if you haven't gone through something like that personally but uh no i think i think that's a good point like we we honor all that but like i don't think we should glorify it to a certain degree like it should be like a like um what was the word like a solemn honorary thing yeah like you don't like you show respect for it but you shouldn't like like well that's amazing like, I mean, because there are some cool stories and things that have happened. Like, that's like, wow, that happened. Like, that's possible. But at the same time, it's like, it's people taking each other's lives. It's not like, it's not it's cool. Not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Some great uh, things there. Also, it would be really bad of us if we move. We get the origin of the name, the chain of dogs here. And yeah. It would be bad if we did it. If we, it would be bad if we skipped that. So they have a the Debrol have a name for Coltane and the army. Uh, Coltane's chain of dogs. He leads yet is led. He strains forward yet is held back. He bears his fangs yet what nips at his heels if not those he has sworn to protect. And then Tuerker looks up and Lul's face is like destroyed by a mace and he's like, I'm lucky. Not even a tooth fell out. <laughs> As he's got like an eye that's literally been burst open and just half of his yeah. face is destroyed. Yep. But I mean, I guess he like at first I was like, oh, crap, like that's he's going to die. But I was like, oh, they got magic healers. What am I talking about? (laughs) He'll be fine. Although magic healing cannot like bring hands or eyes and stuff back. But isn't the eye still there? Can it like repair it? Oh, is the eye still there? Well, I imagine his eye had burst. Oh, if it's like gone, gone, then yeah. But like if it's like kind of just crushed in there. I imagine they could repair that, but I mean, yeah, he is lucky. He'll have a nice smile at least. <laughs> there you Just go. go pick, pick up the ladies, tell some tavern stories. He won't look like a toothless wonder. He won't look like a noble that hasn't gone through anything like yeah. Ferran did. Yep. He'll have some battle scars. Oh, you know. we do learn that the weasel clan kind of sacrificed some refugees to draw the enemy into a trap and then they went out and they wiped out an entire tribe basically yep they want their revenge and they got it so yeah you know nope. we're kind of rooting for the malazans here because they're the they're the ones in the most distress but also they genocided an entire plains tribe so you know yeah. well i mean this is kind of the malazans fault it is if you think yes. about it though so like like, I mean, they're civilians, and they probably moved there under the orders of the Empire, or they joined in later. Oh. So you can't blame them too much, but at the same time, in a roundabout way, it's still their fault. But we can go, isn't it? Fiddler? No, uh, we've, no. we've got Kalam. Ah, that's right, Kalam. Kalam and yep. the Warren. So he recognized a sigil in the Imperial Warren. What did you make of that? Uh, it, I, I didn't remember the sigil. If it had been brought up before, but his explanation, yeah, I'm glad it was there, because I was like, "Oh, you better tell me what this is. I can't have another question." Yep. So you've learned what the, what it is. It's Kalor, who we saw in one scene in Gardens of the Moon. Yeah, he's not Kaladin Brood's the the leader leader, right? Yeah, Kalor is Kaladin Brood's second. Yeah, but Kalor's apparently sounds like a big bad dude. And remember when we left the characters in Gardens of the Moon, they were about to go uh, have parley with these guys. Because they want to go fight the Holy War starting. Yep. Yeah, because he had the flashback about like things happening. That, and I thought this was kind of a, uh, a interesting description. It says, Kalor, uh, the High King without a kingdom. He claimed to have once commanded empires, each one 
making the Malazan Empire no larger than a province. Mm-hmm. And then he claimed to have destroyed them by his own hand, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Main world's I... lifeless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that makes me have even more questions. Is this like a figure of speech or is this like, are there actually other worlds? Or is it literal? There? It is. Yeah. Kalam does say it's what Kalor claims. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, no. And I just noticed this is the first time I've really noticed it reading this book, but Kalam just kind of is like, okay, let's leave the Warren now. I haven't been able to before, but now let's go. Yeah. He's like, I need to leave. Yeah, it's it's one of the few times where I'm like, really? There's not like an explanation for that. He's just he just feels right about it now, even though he's been trying for days. But oh, well, it makes it's a magic thing. It like it comes to you in the moment. Oh, that's fair, I guess. I feel like. Uh, But they uh, they leave the Warren. Uh, They appear in an alley. And I love the description of the inn that they go to. That like the floor is slanted and tables have been like have like extra long legs to keep them level. And like there's just a pile of a drunk dude and vomit and food down at the bottom. And it's like the the walls are kind of coming in and being supported up as well. Like it's just really there's a lot of health code and uh, building code violations here. You you think this world has health code violation as like a health code setup? I definitely. Are you kidding me? And this time, they were rampant. These health code. They're the most sanitary thing ever. And I love every single line of Kalam's interaction with the captain. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a pretty good one. You forced the question, the assassin said. Who are you and what's your story? You think I'd tell that to just anyone? Well, not everyone. Some people get rude and stop listening. Newly arrived, I take it. Northgate? Aye, that's quite a climb with horses yet, meaning the Northgate's locked, sealed along with all the others. Maybe you maybe you arrived by the harbor. Maybe. Harbor's closed. And how do you close Aaron Harbor? Okay, it's not closed. Pretty good. Uh, sorry, <laughs> one sec. My, my dad needs help with some. Okay. I'll be right back. But if you need to find any quotes, now's the time. Oh, that's true, I guess. I'm back. Welcome back. Leave that entire pause in. (laughs) Nope. No thanks. People are like, what happened? I've seen, because I watched Jacksepticeye and he's done that before. where He accidentally left a pee break in a video and he was just gone for like two minutes. (laughs) He's like, well, what's going on? Anyways, where were we? You were reading a quote from Kalam about the captain. Oh, yeah, they're talking just one more interaction between them. It was like, uh, you should give me some news. How come I bought you a drink? You've tasted it. It's terrible. I I was it was pretty amusing, that whole scene. Yeah, definitely. I was like, these soldiers like two soldiers step into a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what did you think that Kalam has passage arranged for him? To, I imagine he's just trying to get to the mainland. I think, yeah. Like he's just trying to get there now that he's used uh, the shaved knuckle in the hole or whatever. Yeah, but Kalam did not arrange it. What? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was kind of confusing to me. By a character whose name we have not heard before. What was the name again? Sokalan. Yeah, I I have no idea who that is. But that's kind of fun. Yeah. Kalam's like, uh, and how is this arranged? I don't know, but it's been arranged. So, uh, you coming? Yeah. yeah, even that guy's like, you, you're you going to come with me. And he prepares to leave, and Manala is not happy because Erickson, I don't think, did the best job of setting up their romance, but she's going to chase no. after him. Of course, as all, as as they would. Uh, but the, the captain dude in the bar, the tavern, Kalam doesn't know him, does he? No, Kalam does not know who he is. That was the other thing. I was like, I was like, all right, this is an interesting interaction. He is the pawn and blue skinned, which is fun. Yeah, I was like, but some some feels off about this whole thing. (laughs) There's too many unknowns. Yep. Red flag, red flag. 
oh, the red flags are going off for Kalam too, but he's like, huh? You know what? I needed to get there. He's like, yeah, it should work. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it works for him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then just the last thing in the chapter, Lostara Yil is arrested. All red blades are under arrest. Good. They're they're the locals that help out the Malazan Empire and are like loyal to the point of like zealotry and being yeah, too loyal and killing innocent why, people. That's you you nailed it right there. Mm-hmm. That's I, why I, I like I, it. I guess it's fair actually. But Lostara's been helpful to the Malazans, I guess. Mm, she's been hunting Kalam. I like Kalam. That's true as well. Maybe she helped she... in the battle, though. She's oh, also she... the one that killed Shaikh. Oh, yeah. But she's the one that killed that whole group of Malazans. That's true as well. Yeah. Like, she she does something and then does the exact opposite of what you need. Then does something. It's like, she she's just a, a negative well, all around. She's doing what she thinks she needs to do. Well, she's not right. Maybe for not. For numerous reasons. Yeah, as I was ex- as I was talking about the red blades, I was like, "Huh, you know what? It makes sense for them to be under arrest." Yeah, it's like the it's like a too much of a yes man. They're like the like they're like yeah. a yes man, but the really annoying version that you're like, you're not doing it right though. <laughs> you're the bad yes man. <laughs> yep. Well, they they are kind of traitors to their homeland, and when you turn traitor, lots of times people go way too far in the other direction. As kind of like to kind of like make up for what they've done. Yeah. But it's like they if they're a traitor in that way as well, it's like they're not really trustworthy to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Maybe not. Anything else about this chapter? I thought it was funny that she threw a melon at him. (laughs) Yep. She's like, you're not even going to say goodbye to the kids. Now I'm out of here. I got to go. Bye. (laughs) Melon to the face. And then she's chatting with her brother-in-law, and he's like, just at least say goodbye to the kids before you take off after your guy you're enamored with. Yeah. And Manel is like, don't mention Kalab, and Kaneb is like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> like, clearly I'm not going to say anything about legendary assassin outlaw Kalam. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, uh, so I got helped out by, like, Kalam. You know who he is? An expert burner, by the way. Uh Basically, just one of the coolest guys ever. Highly trained assassin. Yeah, he escorted us through an Imperial Warren. Um, and yeah, now we're here. It reminds me of uh, in John Mulaney's newest special. He at one point he says, "My good friend Pete Davidson." Yes, that one. <laughs> but I imagine Kinev walking in and being like, "So my good friend Kalam." Yes, that Kalam. Yep. I know it's a common name. It's like, wait, he got an Imperial Warren. He's on the run. How is this working? Where did this come from? Yeah. Um, I think we can move on. Yeah. Okay. I think we're good. We'll see if I'm ready to discuss the next section. Anyways, chapter 14. Felicin, Haboric, and Kolp are being hunted by shapeshifters and prepared to leave the dead city of the First Empire. On the way out, they come across another elder deck marked with holds. The tunnel leads them to a ledge 200 paces above Raruku. Haboric takes them down the cliff with his invisible hands, and they run into Nawal Eber, a merchant with four undead servants. He actually turns out to be the rat divers that Fiddler encountered earlier, and he swarms over Kulp, killing the mage in seconds. Bowden appears and starts killing rats with fire, telling Felicin to grab Haboric and run. They escape, and Bowden appears, ravaged by fire and rat bites. He dies in Felicin's arms, and her armor finally cracks and falls away. Fiddler, Crocus, Akarium, and Mapo discuss the possibilities of Absalor's purpose and where she is leading them. Leoman and Toblakai still wait by Shaikh's corpse, which has shrunk and shriveled up. They are going to leave in a few days, if not sooner, but the whirlwind hangs in the air as if with bated breath. Suddenly, a young girl and an old man appear. Leoman says to the girl that she is reborn, and she agrees. So many sad things happen. Yes. Um... First off, Habrick. What a freaking legend. <laughs> 200 feet down a rock face. 200 using, paces, so like 600 200 feet. face, yeah. Down a rock face into a sandstorm, carrying two people with just his arms, basically. His, like it mentioned, his, <laughs> his legs. His were, magical hands. 
But still, like his arm strength, his shoulders, like holding all that up, it reminds me of Andre the Giant in The Princess Bride. <laughs> yes. When he, when he climbs up the rope, hauling all of them. It's kind of the same vibe, but you got a blind, handless priest. Yep, a blind, handless priest. Climbing down. Yeah, I I was like, dang, Everett, what? He's He's legit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What did you think of what follows with the the rats? There was so many red flags. I was like, this is strange. This is really strange. Like part of me was like, okay, we get a magic, like uh, a magic merchant. I'm like, I haven't seen this yet so far in this series. This is actually kind of cool for part of me at the beginning. was like, I could see this. Yeah, I could see like like selfish business guy, you know, with his undead servants, like saves him money, you know, having that. But then, like, once Felison starts to kind of get, like, kind of wasted and you're like, mm, some of the things he's saying isn't isn't right. Yeah, it it sets off some alarms for sure. And then, like, when he's like, oh, Hebrick, ex-priest of Fenner, Culp, you have this Warren. Ah, interesting. I'm like, ooh, this ain't, this ain't no just magic merchant. And then yep. the worst happens. Culp dies. Well. And reading it this time, well, in the times since the first time, there's so many red flags. Like, first off, a fat merchant being carried on like a palanquin by four undead servants who, like, are hilariously trying to talk about their death and who died a worse death is something, like, I think only Steven Erickson that I've read could pull off. But also, like, you realize when you reread it, the servants are not allowed to talk about why they died because they died to him, to the rats. And that's why they're all chewed up. Uh, yeah. He says something like, oh, mortal company. And when you deal in magical items or in a dangerous place such as this, you have to have lots of protections for defensive selves. And he says the plural form of self. Oh, yeah. Because then uh, doesn't he mention he's like one at a time or something as well? That was the one thing that was very apparent. It was like, oh, I don't remember that one. At least to me, like this defensive selves. I didn't catch that one. One thing at a time. Yeah. Because he's like, uh, oh, yeah. Because it tries to break into the sphere. And he's like, we're safe. He's like, how can we sleep? Because then, oh, yeah. Culpsch walked up to him who backed away. And then. Oh, yeah. He looked and then Culp turns away. Yep, and that's when he gets killed. Uh, when I mentioned a few weeks earlier, maybe a couple weeks, um, I asked you the question, do you ever feel like stuff kind of just happens in this series? And I spe- this instance with Culp is my specific thing where I thought that, because I think I said in my very first like little review thing I said about Dead Hole Skates on Reddit, I mm-hmm. said, like, it felt sometimes like stuff just kind of happens, like, oh, and this guy's a bunch of raps and Culp's dead. Yeah, which I, I mean, I understand. I, I, I had to fight not to react when you were like, oh, Culp better not die. I know. A few episodes ago. Yeah, part of me didn't want to believe it. Because, I mean, I'm kind of a softie when it comes to characters in certain cases where I'm like, I don't want anyone to die because I kind of just want to have this endless story just watching keep you playing. Like, I just think it's like entertaining. I'm like, man, I could just keep reading this. Like, I want him to die. But yeah, no Culp. I was like, ah, he's gone too soon. That was rather unfortunate. He was gone too soon. And Bowden comes back. He never Out left them. He was, he was tracking them the whole time. Oh, he yeah. didn't give up. Yeah, Bowden. And then, of course, on top of Culp, we lose Bowden. Okay. But he literally he goes out in a literal blaze of glory. He does. It is amazing and one of my favorite moments of Dead House Gates. Oh, hands down. Yeah. I cry every time I read the scene where he dies. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a crier, but like I was, it, it got me. I was like, no, not, not him. I, he would, it was another case where I was like, he's gone too soon. I didn't get to learn enough about him. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the, uh, like, it's not so much, I'm not going to lie. I've never been that connected to Bowden. So it's not his death so much. It's it's the line. Um, armor can hide anything until the moment it falls away, even a child, especially a child. 
and yeah. Felicin finally like and it's even reflected earlier in the it's kind of foreshadowed earlier in Dewarker's section because he has this whole thought about how if no none of us had armor we would all be crying and running for the hills so Felicin finally breaks down which uh I mean I think is good for her like as much as I've kind of complained about her the last few episodes I mean I really enjoyed this bit about her like I think it showed more the development I've wanted to see from her because I mean I understand like completely the other stuff it bugs me it just does but like I like I appreciate what that was doing to like get us to this point because like you finally see her like she's lost Colt she's now lost Bowden like well and even before Heberick is crying about Colt dying and Felicin lashes out at him just one more time showing the armor that she's surrounded herself with and then Bowden appears like a specter out of the storm and dies in her arms yeah because like oh yeah because she woke up because they kind of like just collapsed and yeah passed out I mean she was drunk so it's gonna happen and she's like why are you crying it's just you know it's his fault he's a mage you should have been able to get himself out of there but then like when you see the person that just saved you again just die in your arms despite being completely ungrateful because of a vow he made which apparently the vow gave him some protection by the sound of it no so or it it wasn't the vow because he thought because they went through that war in a fire and his skin wasn't like harmed he was like gilded Mm. like his skin tone had changed it was more like golden so he thought he would be immune to that fire as well but he wasn't but the reason she brings up his vow is because that she's bringing up the reason he came back to save her. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool of him. Like that was that like reading, like when it kind of ended that way, I was like, I mean, I understand like not every character is going to live in this world and things like that, but it was kind of heartbreaking. Cause I was just like, ah, he was like, he got chased away after we found out some cool things about him. And I wanted to see more, of what he was going to do. And now, I mean, he went out in a cool way. Like I am happy that he went out at least in a cool manner. But at the same time, I was like, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah. And when he, uh, as he's dying, he says to Felison, you weren't what I expected. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is my personal interpretation, but I like to think he didn't mean that in a negative way. Like, I think he expected her to be a spoiled noble brat who couldn't deal with the world and, like, begged for him to take her out. And she's just so much stronger than he thought she would be. Yeah, like, I mean, now they bring that up, I think that's a really good point. Like, he could have thought, like, I'm supposed to get her out of here. She's going to be the biggest pain because she's going to be, like, just so whiny and so needy. And it was the complete opposite. She didn't want to leave. She was carving a way of life for her even though it wasn't a good one and then when they did need to leave she like as much she complained she still did her part like she worked to get out of there and stuff like that so and we've seen what Bowdoin can do like he he escaped and hid for three days and like killed five guards or something and he could have left her at any time and he Mm -hmm. did not I mean he was on he was under orders but still yeah no, he could have easily left, but yeah, another one gone too soon, I think, personally, just because I want to see more of them. I think it's fun yep. to see what they are capable of, but I mean, getting killing a bunch of brats with flaming lanterns and dying that way, it's, it's not too bad. Could have been worse. He could have died by an arrow <laughs> or something. No, he dies making the, making the ultimate sacrifice for someone. And someone he doesn't particularly like either. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it ends like on that cliffhanger. So I'm now curious to see the storyline. because Oh, yeah. What did you think of that cliffhanger? I was like, I thought it was a good one. Like the choice. I was like, I totally expected it to end right there. Because um, that's where I feel like Erickson likes to end things. So wait, far reading this. Wait. So are you talking about? Felicin and Bowden, him dying, or are you talking no, about no. the cliffhanger at the end? I'm of the talking chapter? about the cliffhanger. At, okay, at the end of this section, is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Okay, 
But I am really curious to see where Hibbert goes because he said he was poisoned or something as well from the rats or something. Like he mentioned being oh. harmed by them. Yeah, he got um, nipped and stuff, I think. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's all right. He's blind. He doesn't have his hands, but does so. And they're still in the desert sandstorm. Yeah. So I'm just really curious to see where this goes and how they get out of it because it's looking kind of bleak. Yeah, so you you picked up on who the girl and the man were at the end of the chapter? Oh, yeah. Okay, because some people miss who it is. Some people... I'm trying to be too... I'm Yeah, I'm trying to be vague. <laughs> Actually, no. Yeah. You know what? I won't be vague. Some people think it's Absalar and her dad. Because mm. they're both black-haired. It doesn't say her name. She says, watch out for his hands, and her dad has a newer arm, so pe- some people think of that. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I love the prose of that section with the cliffhanger of Leoman thinking about his duty and, like, the sand just hanging, like, around them, almost, like, it's just hanging in the air, like, the whirlwind is waiting for something. And they're like, we're gonna leave soon, as the other dude's eating a lizard. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a lizard, and I think I'm gonna go this way. Because he, he's like, we could just be like another fighters in some anonymous fight or something. So uh, Leoman says, you were reborn. And Felicin agrees. Yeah. I wonder. Hmm. We'll see. We will see. Raffo. Or at least I will. I don't know. You already know. Yep, I know. You know that I know that I don't know. Are you, is that the psych theme song? I have no idea. I, it, oh, I've never it, seen Psych. It's very similar. The theme song is I know you know that I'm not telling the truth. Mm. But yeah, that is everything I mean, for this week unless you have something else. I mean, there's just the bit with Fiddler and Crocus and them, but... Yeah, I didn't really have anything to bring up about that section. No, I didn't either. I the, just... The most interesting thing is they bring up some theories as to why Shadow Throne would want Absalar. I think the most interesting thing for me in that section was just like the theories of like Absalar or just like the idea of her having still some of the powers. Oh, yeah. Like there's I mean, still the shadow. That. Yeah. There's still the shadow of shadow. <laughs> yep. I mean, we've seen she's still got some assassin's abilities, which is uh, pretty cool. But yeah, no, there wasn't much there. But yeah, no, that's, uh, that's it for this one. That's the end of book three, The Chain of Dogs. And I think book four is just called Dead House Gates. So once again, I have not done research yet to see how far we're going to read next week. How many uh, chapters are there in this one? I try to look at ten, it. There are 10 chapters in book four. So plus an epilogue or is that including? plus the epilogue? Yeah. So there's 11. Yeah, the epilogue is pretty short, though. So we can do that just as an add on to the finale oh. episode. Um, all in one let's just do it all next week (laughs) yes we will be reading a third of the book for the next podcast maybe we just divide that up in like four episodes right there marathon recording (laughs) no thanks everyone Um, grab your favorite monster we're staying up all night so i think either we'll do like three three and four i think it's a good idea yeah, or if we or if some of the chapters are a little bit lengthy or like have more, I guess, substance to them, we could also maybe do three three two two or three two three two, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah, you're the expert. Yeah, but... but I think that's everything for this week. Um stay tuned. Please check out our episode with Derek from DJ's Epic Quest. It's just gonna be a super chill chat about the books up to this point and what we think of Malazan. So why why we're all such haters of the series? Exactly. Why I'm a mod on the subreddit and this is my fourth <laughs> time through the series in yeah. two years. Dang. That's so much. Yeah. I remember you started reading this yeah during the holidays last year and like I just finished Mistborn the first trilogy. And I was just reading like a Launtress or something. Yeah, because last year from April to June, no, April to July, I read Book of the Fallen. And then from July to October last year, I read everything else in the Malazan universe. 
And then from October to December, I read Lord of the Rings and all of Mistborn and another book, I think. And then from December to April of 2023, I read Book of the Fallen again. And now I'm reading Book of the Fallen again. Yeah, I remember that because we by chance read Lord of the Rings at the same time. Yeah, I thought that was funny because I was just trying to get back into uh I was like, I need to just do something with my time because I was only working, not doing school yet. So I was like, I, I want to start reading again. And we had Lord of the Rings. I was like, I need to read this. And we just happened to be reading it. I had to push through Lord of the Rings. I'll stick to the movies. I want to give them another read, honestly. Like, I want to try it again. But the hardest part is book one. Yeah, so the it's- first third of book one is rough. Because there's it's it's fun. There's some fun details, but yeah, it's kind of rough. I I like definitely like Lord of the Rings a lot because like I've been watching the movie since I was like eleven or twelve, and I read The Hobbit when I was really young. So I've always kind of liked the world. But yeah, they're not. So I remember reading that and then reading it was a Black Friday deal, and I bought Mistborn and the Stormlight Archive, and I started reading Mistborn. And I was like, wow. This is so much better. <laughs> That's probably a blasphemy to some people listening, but hey. Oh, yeah. What? No, I'm sure it, but just the pacing and the story, and like there's so many things, but I was like, I am enjoying this so much more. So, just so listeners know, I give Lord of the Rings all the respect as like the start and still yes. one of the best stories of modern fantasy. But I don't enjoy reading the books necessarily. It's, yeah. And for those of you that have read it and know the true ending, I guess, compared to the movies, I think it's awesome. I could see why people wouldn't like it. I know you don't really particularly like I I don't really like it, the cleansing of the Shire. Yeah, I thought it was, I was like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, this is, I like this kind of, I guess it's not an alternate ending ending because it's the, the, it's the actual the, ending. It's the actual ending, but I'd never knew. It. No one had ever mentioned it. I didn't know. And either. so, I think Lord of the Rings is mostly enjoyable. Like one of my cousins, he reads it like every year. I think or listens to it at least once a year. He loves it. But it's no, I I agree. It's not. There's better writing out there now. I think, but in terms of like stories, it's definitely a must read just to have read it once. Just so yeah. you know. Anyways, Anyways, after that very long tangent to end the podcast. Welcome to uh Lord of the Rings podcast. No, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're reading a chapter a week. Ugh. <laughs> uh, that would be that'd be so long. Let's skip to when they leave the Shire and then I'll read a chapter a week. Uh yeah. As soon as they get out of the Shire. Where are you you're talking about you don't like him getting his finances in order and selling his house <laughs> and all and of not, the songs and not the mad rush out the door like in the movie? Yeah, no, thanks. I I will say this, though. I appreciate how in the book, Mary and Pippin and like Sam, they're all like fairly intelligent people. That's true. In the movies, I understand they kind of need like. At least a modern entertainment, they need the the comedic effect. But I did appreciate that. But anyways, enough of that tangent. How was that, Todd? 